Shout out to all the veterans, past, present, and future who served for our country. And you are in the casual house. Welcome to my house. Another start of the week starts with a holiday, Memorial Day. All the veterans that gave their lives, all the veterans that go sacrifice their lives. Shout out to you, all of you, from the Casual Sports Show. You are in the Casual House on a Monday night. We bring you sports from a casual point of view. And this show is designed for the casual sports fan to have a place to come relate to with sports. Give us your takes, what you think. All your takes are welcome in the casual house. I am your host, Earl Burnett, a.k.a. Casual E. And if you want to follow this show, go ahead and go to our social media outlets. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. All with the same tag, Casual Sports, K-A-Z-U-A-L and a Z at the end of the word sports. And if you missed any of these shows that go down on the network, KSRN, you can catch us wherever you get your podcast, the Believe Podcast Network, or Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcast, the Casual Sports Show is there. On the hottest internet radio station on the web, your KSRN, Casual Sports Radio Network, of course, is where you really catch it, www.casualsports.com. And with that, and this Memorial Day, you are in the casual house. Find out what what's going on. What's going on? Yeah, what's going on? What's going on? In the casual house. Sports, sports, and more sports. Every day there's something to report in sports and talk about. <laughs> Memorial Day. Sports world going down in the casual house. Colin Kaepernick got his workout with the Raiders, and word is that it was pretty good, but no contract imminent. Now, what the hell does that mean? That can mean anything. But what I am hearing is that it's not your typical, it wasn't your typical workout that looks kind of like a pro day. It looked more like the Raiders just said, give us this, do whatever they wanted, out of spontaneous type of thing. And Cap went out there and did it, so he did a good job. So we'll see how that goes for him. For him, I think if the, if anything, I don't think the Raiders are actually looking to sign him right away. If anything, I think the Raiders are just opening up the door for Cap of being that first team to step out on those waters and say the water's okay. Everybody can jump in right now. The water's okay. You can you you, you can go ahead and jump in if you want to get in on this. And the Raiders are doing that pretty much for Cap, in my opinion. 
So now the waters are kind of okay, and everybody's saying, okay, well, that wasn't so bad. That that first hit wasn't so bad letting them work out for a team now. So if who's going to dive into that ocean or in that water and actually take them? But uh, it could also be a security thing for the Raiders down the line. If something goes wrong with a quarterback, they know they can always pull a guy in that they've seen play. Because they do have already two backups over there, Mullins and, uh, and Stidham. Not that that's two good ones, but at least you do have them on your roster. So I'll, we'll see We'll see how that goes for him. I think it was a good thing for him to get out there to get some reps and get uh, back in his name back You know, in the NFL. And last time we heard of it was the Seattle Seahawks in 2017 that were going to sign or at least going to look at him, but nobody's signing him. But we'll see. I, I think it's just, like I said, something to put on tape for teams, not just the Raiders, but all teams that may run into a quarterback issue down the line can see that this guy's ready to go. And at the same time, um, like I said, the waters are okay. You can jump in there and go ahead and, and grab this, this guy if you want to get him on your squad. Uh, his issues... Right now, it's time to just squash all of the stuff that was going down that, that that caused him to be out of the game. Both sides, NFL and cap, just go ahead and play the game. Leave it at football and football alone. Let it only be about that for now. And you should be good. Finish out your career, then go back into whatever politics stuff you want to get back into later. But if you want to get back in this league, you got, somehow you got to do a little bit of ass kissing to get back in the league, that which cap wasn't willing to do earlier, but now it seems like he's willing to kind of little come on board and try to do what it takes to get back in the league, even even being a backup. And he didn't want to do that in the beginning, but that's the way to do it. If you want to get back in, you do it their way. And then you get back in, you take advantage of your opportunities. And then it turns your way because you take advantage of your opportunity and you get out there and ball out. Then they ain't got no choice but to pay you and keep you in the league. So that's how I see it. You know, I could be wrong. I could definitely be wrong. What else is going on? We can talk about the NFL power rankings came out. And I don't know why. I, I, I don't understand why they do this. Or why anybody would waste their time doing a power ranking. I'm going to waste my time doing the Cardinals schedule because it's like the same thing. You don't know what's going to happen from dealing with the same, dealing with the team. That's not the same team. Of course, first of all, and you have a no, no under, no expert, no understanding of what's the, what this new team is going to, to be like on the field. And that's for all the teams. There's only a couple of teams you can look at and go, you know, they're going to be good. The Rams, you know, they're going to be good again. The Buccaneers, you know, they're going to be good again. Um, Kansas City Chiefs, you know they're going to be good, but will they be dominant? But they're going to be good. All those teams that made the playoffs, we don't know if those same teams are going to come back. Cardinals being one of those teams that are probably the first team that everybody's going to yell out they won't be back to the playoffs because of the schedule, first of all, and the people they did not bring back. And then what they did in free agency didn't do much of anything, so they're pretty much the same team with a few added pieces here and there. And, of course, they're having that quarterback dispute thingy going on so so with that 
they put power rankings together for somehow some reason in a team that was in the playoffs. They got the Arizona Cardinals coming in at a whopping 22. How do you jump from being in the playoffs to number 22 ranking? Is it all predicated on that horrible loss of the way we lost that game? Was it just pretty much based on we lost Chandler Jones and we don't have Kyler Murray signed and continuities broke all up and the organization seems like it's in a disarray right now? Did nothing in free agency. So all these things are kind of getting thrown into this pot that puts the Cardinals at 22, but that's kind of, kind of, um, I mean, I can't say it's unfair because we really don't really know. Nobody really knows. Who cares, really? I mean, to be honest with you, it don't really matter, but people can have their own rankings. If I, I could rank them at 15 right now, it wouldn't make a difference from 15 to 22. So I don't like doing rankings and stuff like that because this is not the same team from last year. Rankings shouldn't start until after week one. Or not even preseason because you don't even know the same. The team don't look the same in preseason that he looks in the, in the regular season. So, yeah, I would say after week one, you can start seeing teams form. And then after week six or seven, you start to understand who's who and who's what. Then you really can get a power ranking going. But just coming off of a off season, right into some power rankings, it's really stupid in my opinion. That's just how we do it in the sports world. Of course, the NFL, one of them being the only league that's 24 hours a day, 365 days a year being reported and something going on, popping all the time. So props to the NFL for being that way and getting making it that way. So can't, they, can't be mad at them and make their money and they get it how they get it. Another quiet thing going on in the NFL is on one end, we see Kyler Murray's camp where they're silent now, but they were not early on. And now the agents said a lot of stupid things and did a lot of dumb things representing Kyler Murray and Kyler Murray allowing him to do it. So they're pretty much in the same boat being stupid. But on the other side, you got another superstar quarterback that's been really quiet about it. Lamar Jackson, haven't heard much about his contract dispute or contract talks or whatever's going on with him because he is representing himself at the same time, not causing an uproar while doing it. It seems like as soon as Lamar opens his mouth, he can get whatever he wants when he wants it because he's handling it the right way. When you compare the two, not even a comparison as far as on the field or having a resume to back up that you're trying to get the money you asking for. But today's sports world, it is what it is. You're going to get that dang fat contract regardless if you earned it or not because you're the guy that's up and you're the guy that, it, that the organization has put all their ducks in when they got you in the draft. And so that's just the way it goes. You don't want to lose that person. But comparing the two, if Kyler could take a page out of Lamar's book and just do it silently and let the contract take care of itself, he can learn a lot of things from that. Both guys didn't show up to the uh, voluntary, which is the key word, voluntary OTAs. And a lot of players around the league did not show up for the voluntary OTAs. Just those that are under trying to get the contracts and trying to get things are the ones that everybody's concentrating on when they really shouldn't be. 
But uh, so we're not really coming down on Kyler for not being there. But at the same time, I'm going to say this for Kyler's sake or on Kyler, I should say, is that you you have been criticized for not being a team leader in so many ways. So why not? Why not take the opportunity? Why not take the opportunity to go in there and show that you are a leader and go lead your team with or without no contract? Let the contract take care of itself. Go out there and show up for those OTAs and show your team you're ready to go lead them. That would have gone a long, long way with the fan base, first of all, and I would go a long, long way even for Kyler himself to take that next step. But he chose to play the route of the money route, and that's what's important. Okay, that's fine. Your, your future and all that's important. That's good. But when it's time to actually get back on that train and try to ride and try to lead that team, you think they're going to follow you 100%? Everybody? Uh, there's going to be some veterans and some people in that mix somewhere that's going to be a little bit peeved that you didn't show up to lead this team. Now, he could be leading away from the team as well. They say there's a lot of talk that he's been doing a lot of workouts and bringing guys down to Texas, but last I checked, your team was in Arizona, not in Texas. So, and everybody's in one spot in Arizona. Only a few guys are down there with you in Texas. So why not get with the entire team showing them you are going to be the leader by example for this team. We'll see how that goes for the Cardinals. Um, they're going to be, we're going to talk about them a little later as well to continue on with the Cardinals, but they are on the hard knocks, of course, the uh, in season hard knocks. And <clears throat> everybody's kind of asking, is that going to be like a distraction for that team? It can't be no worse of a distraction than their weak minds because if the weak mindedness of all Arizona sports to a degree always comes and surfaces up. So hopefully maybe a hard knocks camera on you seeing you talk all your crap behind closed doors. have to go out there and back it up. That could go two ways. That could go, Oh, you shrivel up under the under the pressure of what you said and your words and what you were going to deliver or you shine and don't want to be embarrassed and you give more effort and continue to get harder and tougher and go out there and do better. So if a team's weak minded, Usually they go to the faltering where they can't handle the pressure. And this is what Arizona sports has been about. So hard knocks could be a distraction. Hard knocks could be a wrong thing for this team, but we'll see. As I've been saying all year long, they need to bring something in that's going to keep the team motivated down that stretch when things gets a little tough. And this hard knocks is coming up at the end of the season, more so the beginning. And the end of the season schedule is pretty tough. We're going to go through that later, but... Can they win games and get themselves ready for a playoff run and stay motivated and finish strong? Can hard knocks help that? I don't see how a TV show is going to help that, but um, the most that the TV show is going to really pretty much do is put you more on a scope like Cliff Kingsbury and what he's doing and how he's able to get this team over the hump from failing down the stretch. He and Kyler Murray. So that's going to be interesting. 
Really interesting to see. I don't anticipate. I mean, I would hope I don't anticipate another meltdown. I mean, I don't, but um, that's just been what, what, what Arizona, the Cardinals and Suns and everybody gets into a higher spot. We, we tend to do that. We falter down the stretch. So I'm in the, I'm in the category of thinking that this team can do something special or to prepare itself for down the stretch, not for hard knocks, but from a player's perspective. And I keep saying this, y'all heard me say this a couple of times, and that's bring in OBJ now, not then. Bring him in now, and then he'll be ready to go around about that time when that hard knock stuff starts up, and you can go on a run and get motivated and stay motivated like he did for the Rams. He did the exact same thing for the Rams last year when they picked him up at the right time coming off an injury, getting ready to go play, and bang. Well, he wasn't coming off an injury. He was coming off a, a, a plague, a, a small injury and a, and a bad Cleveland contract or a bad Cleveland team that he was dealing with at the time, but came in and gave the Rams a spark in their wide receiver room. The same thing he can do for the Cardinals down the stretch. And then you throw hard, hard knocks in there with OBJ coming in. Now you got all this excitement and hype around it. And that'll keep the morale up and things can stay a little bit, you know, let's finish strong. So I don't know. It could help them down the line, too. I don't know. We'll see. But a TV show ain't never blocked for nobody. Threw a pass, caught a touchdown pass, schemed out things the right way. A TV show ain't never did none of that. So I just hope the Cardinals can be strong-minded down the stretch this time. That's a right. That's a right around the corner. The football season is not that far off. Game seven of the NBA Eastern Conference Finals went down last night, and the team that I picked from way back before the playoffs even started in my bracket, I got the proof of it. The Celtics are there. The only difference that I had the Suns being in there with them and the Suns ain't there is the Warriors so but uh, the, the Celtics take care of the Miami Heat in game 7 and this one was another good game that came down finally another competitive game that came down the stretch like 6 and 7 together those two games were the best games probably of the Eastern Finals or probably in uh, you can take your pick of those two games in the playoffs overall that they'll probably match up to a lot of these games that we've seen up to this point. And, um, it went down to the wire. Um, both teams have good defenses. You can see the scores of these games under a hundred points, right at a hundred points. They're both are playing good defense, but the Boston Celtics at times, go on longer runs and scoring runs than the Miami Heat because the Miami Heat have been really beat up. Tyler Hero tried to give it a go last night and only played a half and didn't do much, but just his presence alone they thought would be an uplift. He couldn't really do much. Jimmy Butler was pretty much playing almost by himself, scoring at will, played the entire game. And they just don't get enough scoring, Miami doesn't. They just don't have enough people that can score the basketball at a consistent level. 
after Jimmy Butler, who's the scorer on the Miami Heat? Um, Kyle Lowry did the best he could. A lot of these guys came in and coming up short because the Celtics' defense is not going to allow you to, to pretty much get what you want. So you've got to earn everything. And that's on the opposite side as well. The Celtics just have two guys that can handle some of that pressure and break guys down and get their own shot and set guys up. Outside of those two, Tatum and Brown, there's a couple of good perimeter guys Celtics have, like that Derek White, can, he, he can be a he, he can be an X factor, and even in, even in the finals coming up, he could be an X factor. He kind of reminds me a little bit of a Landry Shamit from the Brooklyn Nets, not from the Suns. But um, yeah, he he could be a, a, a asset going into the next round, and then their bigs just make them even even harder to beat with Al Horford and Williams down there. They just they just go hard and, and make you earn every last thing coming in the paint. And then, of course, you got the defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart, just all over the dang court. So Boston is going to be a tough out for any team, and we've seen it all the way up until now. We've seen them not back down from the Brooklyn Nets and didn't dodge them like Milwaukee did and end up beating both them teams. And so... <laughs> I like how that goes for a team that's not afraid. They just go all out. But last night they went all out, and after failing in game six at home, somehow they get a gritty win on the road, and they've beaten the Heat three times in this series on the road, which is really cool. It's like they play better on the road. And so coming down the stretch in this game, and I have been on social media all week long talking about the changing of the game, about how three-pointers have taken over the game, and they have become the first choice when it comes to making decisions on what shot selection to take. Jimmy Butler had less than a minute left in the game they have been on a previous run. They were already on a run because the Celtics had let them back in the game, missed their last couple of shots, and allowed the Heat to get the score from 13 all the way down to two in the fourth. And the pressure is on. When you got that pressure on, you have to find a way to continue the pressure. It wasn't time for a winning shot with 50 seconds left because there's still too much time left in the game. That's not to say you're going to win that game just because you make that big three, Jimmy Butler. Let's say you hit that three. Okay, yeah, the crowd's going crazy, but they're only down one, and they got the ball going the other way with still a minute left to play. So that doesn't guarantee you a win. And I'm seeing everybody on the TV and all these analysts are saying they could have had to win. No, they couldn't. The, the game wasn't over. But what you could have done and should have done is continued that run you were on to make some more pressure on the Celtics to put that pressure on them to make them falter it more because they have been having issues finishing games. That was that one more step you could have got over the hump by taking that ball to the rack and forcing Al Horford to pay you play you one-on-one and not foul you. Jimmy Butler probably was 
spent in this game and could not have didn't have another ounce of energy to go at anybody without probably fumbling the ball away or just throwing something up there on hope. But he settled. And yes, you heard me. Settled for the bailout. Easy. No contact. No hard, whatever. Three-point shot because he was going for the win, he says. And in my opinion... Yeah, you can call it that, and I think he earned that right because he was the only guy doing any damn thing as far as scoring for the last two games for them, so I can't really be mad at him for taking that shot. But I guarantee you, when you go back and look at that tape and you're Jimmy Butler, you're going to say, man, if I had one more ounce of energy just to go hard at that dude to my right and force him to foul me, get to the lane, pump fake up, and to get him in the air, something would have got you a chance to get that three-pointer a different way. Taking that three, bailed the Celtics out because they were wheeling at that point. They were like really, really. They was going downhill, like finna choke that thing away, and you bailed them out by taking that three. Three pointers in crutch time of big giant games don't always go down because that is not the best shot to take. That's always been that way in the NBA, always. Decision-making is going to always have to be a thought process of the closer I am to the basket, the better chance we got to win. Shooting that far out is giving the other team an opportunity, and that's what he did when he bailed him out by taking that three. And, of course, you already wore out tired. That three is going to be harder to make than that layup would. That was a bad shot, Jimmy Butler, taking crutch time under a minute going for the win way too early. Nobody said that. Everybody thinking that was, oh, it was a good shot. He was going for the win. No, he was going for the win way too early. What he was doing was going for the momentum killer to kill the Celtics. He was going for that, but he wasn't going for the win because the win, that game wasn't won just because he makes that shot. It's a one-point game. Celtics got the ball going the other way. And the way that game was going, both teams were having trouble scoring down the last few minutes. So, can't say that that game would have been over you got to play the percentages you got to play where you were at that time you got to think where we are right now we're making this push that the Celtics have nothing to do about it and we got to force them to continue to play hard and play defense at that point a foul would have been even more imminent than anything else at that point because everybody was playing hard and they were not going to let anybody lay up the, lay the ball up. So you go to the rack, that would have been automatic foul. So I don't know. Maybe that's just, like I said, that's just me and the old school coming out of me. Mitchell Hughes is going to come in from the MLB, and he is the writer for KSRN and covering baseball for us uh, because, you know, yours truly doesn't do much baseball. But Mitchell Hughes is going to come in and give us some perspective on the Diamondbacks who – Recently, again, yesterday, finished another uh, series with the Dodgers by being swept again. Uh, there's something about that Dodger team that the D-backs just cannot get over the hump and, and play, and that's just simply because they're not on that level as a Dodger team. But uh, they they can't even compete with that team. So uh, they lost the game uh, <clears throat> yesterday, 3-1. to one. Uh, I was in the house. Uh, it was 3 nothing the whole game until the ninth inning. They got that one run and they almost tried to make a run make a, a go at it at the end. But to no avail, um, the Dodgers are just, just, just too strong for the D backs right now. You'll be right back. 
Earl Burnett, a.k.a. Casual E, on the Casual Sports Show right here on KSRN. Y'all hang around. We're going to take a little break, but we'll be back in a while, so uh, don't nobody go nowhere. a big painting project you've been putting off because you don't think you can afford it? Well, it's time to call the team at Customer First Solutions. Customer First is your one-stop shop for all home repairs, from full interior and exterior painting to handyman services, drywall repair, electrical, and plumbing. Customer First has the most competitive prices in the valley. Your flat rate quote is based on the square footage of your home, and that includes wall repair. All Customer First technicians are licensed, bonded, and fully background checked for your assurance. Call or text Customer First Solutions at 480-877-0255 for your free quote. Customer First Solutions, where our customers and their homes are our first priority. We're going to take a This is the sound of a racing heart. It's beating a little faster because it belongs to a young child. But this child isn't in the middle of a close soccer game playing with her puppy in the yard? Her heart is racing because she's just been told she has to move foster homes again. Change a child's story. There's a child waiting for a volunteer like you. Learn how you can help at casaforchildren.org. You are listening to the best internet radio station on the web, KSRN, Arizona. Welcome back into the Casual House, Earl Burnett, a.k.a. Casual E, right here on the hottest internet radio station on the web, your casual sports radio network, otherwise known as KSRN. Go ahead and follow us, www.casualsports.com. Okay. I said coming into the break that I was going to do something that we're going to start to continue to do from here on out, and that's covering baseball. And, yes, you heard me. We're covering baseball in the casual house. I know that's probably unusual for y'all that have been following. It's always been only football and uh, basketball. But, yes, we are covering baseball in the casual house, and we're going to be bringing in the baseball heads that know more about this stuff than I do because I know some of it. been following the D-backs, of course, because I'm kind of giving some information about the D-backs here and there. But, as far as following that analytical game, are you kidding me? Way too much for me. So uh, <laughs> I'll bring the guys in that know how to do all that stuff. So I told you I have a writer for KSRN in here tonight. My man Mitchell Hughes is going to come in tonight and give us some insight about our Diamondbacks and anything else we can talk about about baseball for all you baseball lovers out there. So, again, like I said, yes, it is baseball in the casual house. Baseball. Do you like basketball and football? But they too fun and fast. Try baseball. You hit a ball with a stick and then you run a little bit with baseball. <laughs> with no further ado, I'm gonna bring my man in here, Mitchell Hughes, the writer for KSR and for the D backs. What's going on, Mitch? 
Not much. Just enjoying that D-backs game right now. Is there beating up at the Atlanta Braves about 6-2 to two last I checked before I got here? Oh, wow. See, what is it about the D-backs? They can only beat teams that are just – they can't – let's just put – let me flip that. They just can't beat that Dodger team for nothing. Is that it? <laughs> that's that's it. I mean, they beat yeah. great teams. I, I really want to see them face the Padres. I'm waiting for that game. But the Braves – have the same record as the Diamondbacks and they're killing them right now and the Braves aren't a bad team right just the Dodgers are that much better they have a 200 million dollar more space cap and what I'm worried about is once trade deadline hits I don't know how much you know about the uh, Brower situation but since he has he's in legal trouble Uh they don't have to pay him at the trade trade deadline they have 20 plus more million dollars to get another pitcher okay that's what I'm worried about wow so, so, so Diamondbacks have some troubles with one of the pitchers right now. I mean, I guess I'm like I no, said. I, have, uh, I mean, not the Dodgers. Dodgers, the Dodgers, Dodgers. Okay, okay, I'm tripping. Okay, yeah. So give me, give me, give me the skinny on the D-backs, man, because I was at the game on yesterday and 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 kind of watching it and kind of seeing. You know, I, I mean, I watch baseball games. I've taken the family to baseball games. I can I can follow baseball, but it's just. What's about the D-backs that's different now? Because I'm pretty sure you and every other analyst had them pegged as losing another 100 games. What, what is the, what's been the difference this year coming in has made them a surprise this year? I had them at slightly under 500, not quite losing 100. I oh, had them okay. at like losing okay. 95. Okay. So is it accurate still? Um, <laughs> one of the big differences is they're aggressive against the teams with great pitchers which is what I like to see because you're not going to get a, you know, you're not going to get 20 hits off of the greatest pitchers. Right. What you're hoping for is one home run. And right now they have three pitchers right now pitching under a three ERA. So in theory, all you have to do is get four runs and hopefully that's enough to win the game. Oh, okay. Pavin Smith is starting to light it up. Ketel Marte is over 400 this month right now. Like this is the time for them to strike and steal a couple wins. I was looking at the game, and I'm like, okay, I know Cattell Marte. That's the star of the team, I'm pretty sure. I guess that's the, the star of the team. What what other talent do they have? Because I didn't see much talent out there, and I'm like, how are they able to be close to 500? I don't see much talent on the team. So I think the game you watched, um, Pavin Smith was kind of off. Okay. Pavin Smith is huge for them. He's, he's had, like, I don't want to say mental breakdown. That's not right for me to say. <laughs> but he's mentally hasn't been able to, like, catch up with the ball which can happen there was less spring training this year a lot of starters are struggling okay he's finally starting to get the bat to the ball he's getting more home runs and he's a big go big or go home kind of guy oh Uh, walker started off slow and he's a big go big go home or home run kind of guy right um the two people that have impressed me the most is dalton varsho who is filling in for the catcher carson kelly who got injured um a while ago and having a catcher as the leadoff batter is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Playing catcher my entire life in my sports career. Oh, nice. um, I could never be a leadoff batter. That's insane. It's so fun to watch. Oh. And then one of our fill-ins right now, Thomas, he is 22 years old. And he's playing center fielder like a gold glove person right now. He's hitting the ball at about 265. And that dude's smile, I swear to you, it's like that Magic Johnson smile. Okay. Where if he was smiling at you and stabbed you in the back, you'd be like, that's a nice knife. Man, great choice of knife. Good job. Uh, uh, man. <laughs> that's good. So, I mean, okay, so 
where they are right now in the division standings, they're like, what, fourth place in the division. Where do you see them finishing? I mean, going forward, because you know how teams, and, and, and especially our Arizona teams, how they get off to these good starts, and then they kind of fade away. Do you see them fading away, or do you see this actually being something sustainable? I, they need to get better relief pitching. That's going to be one thing I say. That's what's, they've been good the last few games, but this whole season has been atrocious for relief pitching. Hmm. That could be the thing that really hurts them at the end if they don't go all in. But hitting wise, I think what you're seeing the last 10 games minus yesterday against the Dodgers, but the last 10 games, I think this is what you're going to see all year. You're going to see them scoring five or six runs and their pitching is going to hopefully allow four runs a game. Okay. Man, we're talking to Mitchell Hughes, KSRN writer for the D-backs. And, 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 and let me ask this, because over the course of the last year and, the, you know, prior years, Tori Lavello always struck me as that positive dude, always got something positive to come out of every little thing. That, that team can look the worst they can look, and he'll come out and say, we're, we're not that bad. We're... Has he changed his style now? Has he really started to get into some of these guys now? Has he really started to see the, the <laughs> what's really in front of him, what the team he actually has, or is he still that positive dude all the time? It's really funny you said that because he actually got ejected out of the game earlier. Today really? From at the yes. Oh hell no! I got. I missed that. I missed that. I was um, man. Tori Lavello getting ejected. I wow. couldn't tell exactly what happened, but there is a walk that happened, and then Lithgow might have said something or confronted, but he thought it was the ump thought it was our pitcher okay. that did it. So he started yelling at the umpire, calling them all the names he could think of. Wow. The umpire ejected him. So I, I couldn't figure out exactly what happened, <laughs> but it was really funny watching him tear into an ump. But that oh, being said, um, I think he's really good at being a manager. And okay. I mean that by he's going to keep the team positive. He's going to make them feel super good, but he also has the people that are going to tell them how to correct themselves. Like, I think he's just kind of the guy that smiles and waves and he knows the X's and O's of the game, how to do it, how to make them better than they are. But I think his guys, he knows his guys, he trusts them. He knows how to make them better. I don't think he yells into them. These kids are too young. You know how it is yelling at kids. It's the opposite of what you want. He knows how to work with kids. Wow. That's just, I'm trying to even picture Tori Lavello being tossed from a game for (laughs) I'm just trying I've to seen, picture that. But. I've seen it about three times in the last oh, three okay. or four years. It's pretty funny. Okay. So do you really anticipate or do you really think it's realistic to think that this team could be in the wild card race and continue to stay in the wild card race? I think they could be in the wild card race. Um, I don't think they make the wild card. Okay. You know, that fun little baseball thing at the end of the year where you're like, yes, they're one game behind. And, and then they end right. up being three games behind. Man. Um the problem is the Dodgers are amazing. They're not going to win the division. I Like I said, I haven't seen many Padres just because i watched so much Eric and they haven't faced each other. Right. That's going to be a big determiner for me once that happens. But I really see this team being a 89-93 to 93 win team. And mm. I think the second wild card spot is going to be 95 or 96 wins. So I think they barely miss it. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be exciting. At least we have that fun little thing on ESPN. It's like they're this close. And we're like, yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> So, I mean, give me your, give me, tell me, do you really think that they should do something at the trade deadline? Because, you know, if they're going to be a team that's going to hang around 500 anyway and, and not really compete for anything playoffs, why, why mess with anything right now and just wait for next year? Do you think they, they should actually do something at the trade deadline? Yes. Really? Um, right now with their, um, Ketel Marte is getting older and he's a speedster. 
I don't want to call him Ichiro Suzuki, but he kind of is that, you know, super fast guy. He's going to get a high average. Your age does not help with that. Hmm. And he was once almost MVP until he got injured like four years ago. You need to help him. Um, Alex or Bumgarner's going to be getting older. This wow. whole team is built on two separate sides. There's no fun little medium right now. Right. You have the super old people who have been on this team for like seven years who were traded from like Mariners or other teams. So they've been here longer than seven years. And then you have like the replacement people being Thomas right now for our show right now. There's no, you know, happy 26, 27 year olds. It's either 22 or 32. Wow. And they either need to, and baseball is so random at times. Oh, yeah, I don't think sure. I'm explaining that to anybody. Like I, I could go and <laughs> exactly. break down every analytic ever and it's random. Right. But yeah. If at the trade deadline, they are in contention, they need to go all in right now. Um, Carson Kelly has been injured and his replacements have been just as good, if not better. Like mm. I like Carson Kelly. They can use Carson Kelly as a trade bait at this point because wow. he's a catcher. That's an important freaking position. Right, like, right, right. And he can also play center field if you need him to. That's so rare. Right. So catcher is like equivalent in football. What, the center? Um... I would argue it's almost more like a quarterback. Really? Because I thought that was the pitcher. I thought that was the pitcher was the quarterback. Pretty no, but he has to. He's been told what to pitch. So yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. Yeah. I mean, maybe a catcher is more like a coach because he can go and direct the outfielders. He can direct the pitcher. Right. Shortstop. He directs all. He can direct all that stuff. Okay. So between, I mean, they're important. Like you can't win without a great catcher. (laughs) Exactly. That's awesome, man. So, uh, what are the strengths of this team? I mean, I know. I mean, I, I was out. Like I said, I was at the game watching. I'm kind of looking, and it doesn't look like hitting is one of them. I mean, it, do, does this team do, do, they, do they get hits and runs? I mean, this, do they score runs enough? I'm looking at the score. I'm like, man, they finally did something in the ninth inning. But is it just the Dodgers that they don't score runs against, or they, are they having a trouble having trouble with hitting the ball? Sadly, it's the Dodgers. Um, oh, since the beginning of this man. month, their man. hitting has gotten so much better. Like, okay. I'm looking okay. at scores right now against the Royals. They scored eight against the Royals, wow. nine against the Royals. Today, they have six against the Braves, and the game's not even over. Wow. Um, they're, or they had 10 against the Cubs. Um, their biggest strength, though, is their pitching. Um, before this last five, six games with Baumgartner, Gallen. And I can't remember the other one right now. Sorry. Um, they've been pitching under a three ERA, all three of them. Wow. Right now, their closing pitcher, who is Joe Mantiply, has been pitching lights out. 21 games played this season, 0.5 ERA. Wow. And Gallon, at one point, was under one ERA. If I probably, he's a little bit over one now. But they're pitching, this is why they need to go all in. Their pitching is at win now mode. And. Their bats are good enough with the great pitching. The issue is the relief pitching and then some mental errors. There was a couple errors today in the Atlanta game that didn't bite them in the butt. Hmm. That's interesting. So we But they're good, definitely a Tory Labello defensive team okay, more than yeah, anything. So we got good pitching, but we just man. Okay. So give me what's what's the talk around the MLB? Who's the team? I mean, we know the Dodgers are gonna always be that team, but is there anybody that's gonna compete with them and and, and and pretty much, I mean, are the Braves a team that can repeat again? I mean, what's going on in baseball right now? That's the story of baseball right now. I don't want to take the Braves out of it just because we've seen them in the playoffs and that always scares me. <laughs> okay. The Mets are crazy good right now. Mets? They're 32 and the Mets, yeah. Wow. 
They're 30, 32 and 17, and they started off the year with both of their best pitchers injured. Wow, that's cool. They're leading by nine games over the Braves right now. Um, the Brewers are kind of the talk of the town just because we didn't see it coming. But I could also see St. Louis um, surpassing them with okay. Goldie and all that and all their support. Of course, the Yankees. I don't even want to talk about them. I don't think we have to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the Twins win that division. So right now it's between the Blue Jays, who I absolutely love, Vladimir Guerrero. So I wish them the best of luck in surpassing the Yankees. But it's really going to be a race between the Yankees, the Blue Jays, and the uh, Tampa Bay Rays and their whole analytic system that they've been running for four years now. Wow. Okay. I think that's going to be on the American League side. They're going to fight so hard against each other. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to hit you with an old school question because I know everybody, this is probably so old right now that it's like, like be like, Casual, why are you bringing this up? This has been gone <laughs> for so long. But you know what? I got to ask you. Was it a good idea to trade Goldie? No. I mean, look at where he is right now, man. I mean, where would this team be with Goldie right now? They would have made the playoffs the year that they traded him if they didn't trade him. That was, I think they won 93 games and they or 92. I don't know. They were three yeah. or four games out of the yeah. wild card. You can't say that Paul Goldschmidt wouldn't have just won them four games on accident. Man, I don't understand. And the players we got weren't that impressive. Like, we got better players from trading uh, Jazz Chisholm, which I don't know if you know who he is, the yeah. uh, Miami Marlins guy. Yes, yes, I remember. We got, we got Gallon, at least, for Chisholm. Like, and Goldschmidt is better than both of them. How <laughs> right. could we not get better players in our return of Jazz Chisholm, know, who at the man. time I think was 20 years old? Right, right. I kind of miss Goldie, man. I mean, he was the, it looked like he was the face of Arizona. It's like, you don't trade the face away. I mean, what, what the hell? And it seemed like every time the D-back team trades somebody, they get better on the other team they go to. I mean, it's like, my goodness. What is the deal with our front office and trading good pieces away? I don't get it. Maybe it's just maybe it's a money thing. I don't know. It's a mixture of money. Goldsmith wanted a lot of money, which I don't blame him by any means. Right. But another big thing is um, – they felt like if we had a 26-year-old, or I don't remember how old he was, if you had a young person entering his prime and it worked out, we would have five great years, whereas Goldie was a little bit later. We were going to have to trade a couple people away to make that contract work. Right. They were hoping we could keep the core and this new player would step up and be equivalent. And then COVID happened, and that year was rough. Um, last year, the Dimebacks weren't horrible, but they went on like the worst losing streak in the history of the MLB. Right. And they just couldn't get their head straight. Like it just, it didn't pan out. That right. trade was an awful idea. Right. right. Wow. That's a lot of interesting things going on right now with our D-backs, man. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be in the ballpark probably on the last game of that Braves series. What am I looking for? What, what should I be looking for in, 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 in that series right now? What do you think is going to be going on and who's going to be on the mound and what, am, what should I be looking for going in that game? I'm trying to figure out right now who's going to be on the uh, mound. I'm trying to like speculate who should be on there. Okay. So while I go and figure that out in my head, I'd say you just have fun. Right. Like, you're going <laughs> right. to see Cattell Marte. You're going to save Ronald Lacuna. Like don't go there for the analytic part of this. Like, just go there and watch the Atlanta Braves to have their swagger of a young team. Like right. you're gonna you're gonna see Tori Lavello and like the old school way of doing things. 
and you're going to see Atlanta Braves and how the MLB is going to be coming up. Okay. And however, I mean, whether you like the new school baseball or the old school baseball, it's so much fun to watch. I love both of them. Okay. And I think you're just going to have a blast. I totally wish I was in Arizona right now because <laughs> the, this Atlanta team has been one of my favorites to watch just because they don't give a flying anything right. about that old school unwritten rules, all that stupid wow. BS. And it's good, so much fun good, to watch. Good. Oh, that's good to hear. I, I got to check them out. I'm going to be checking that out for sure. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm glad. Plus, Bumgarner should be pitching that game. Okay, okay. That's so. That's still been the talk. That he's so starting to look like his old self. He's looking like his old self when he was when he's in San Francisco, right? So, okay. So I'm looking for that. Yeah, um, he fell apart. He fell apart a little bit against the Dodgers, but he, I Who think, doesn't? even falling apart against the Dodgers, his ERA is still two point four. Like right. he's still pitching at an incredible rate. Okay, cool. All right, man. So. Tell the listeners here, of course, where they can get your work at. Of course, we already know what you write for. So, uh, <laughs> and at the same time, man, I appreciate you coming in, giving us some insight. And when we, when things are happening in the MLB, we will we, we'll be hit, hooking you back up and finding out what's going on and what the latest is. So let's let, let everybody know where they can catch you at, man. Yeah, right now I'm just writing for Casual Sports, which it's also at the top. You can go and type in www.casualsports.com where they have great articles on all of the sports, Absolutely. including my articles on baseball. And so definitely go check them up. They have other podcasts on their radio shows. They got everything. So look them up. That's about all I'm at right now. And I will keep you updated in the future on where other things can possibly pop up. All right, Big Mitch, man. Thanks for coming in, man. I appreciate all the insight, man. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, no problem. That's Mitchell Hughes, the man. We call him M- money-making Mitch. <laughs> and then- and he is the KSRN writer for the D-Back. So uh, when we come back real quick, we're going to jump into a little bit of Cardinal talk and do a little bit more of the schedule and see where we're going to head with the Cardinal schedule. So stick around. You're in the casual house. Earl Burnett, a.k.a. Casual E, right here on KS. Welcome back into the casual house on this Memorial Day, Monday night, and lots of sports going on, like we already talked about the NBA and what to look for in that series against the Celtics and the Warriors. I do think that's going to be a good series, seven games, like I said before. I do think that Boston is a good matchup to Golden State as well. I don't think it's going to be like one of those runaways for the Golden State Warriors that they've been getting all the playoffs long. This is going to be a battle because they're going to have a team that is tested, a team that knows how to play defense. And I am really interested to see how it goes between that freelancing, three-point freely shooting type of style against some hard-nosed defense. I want to see what that looks like. And I think the Celtics are going to give us that in this series. But let's hope that we don't see any blowouts because the way the Warriors shoot the ball at some point and the way the Celtics have those droughts of scoring in between there, it could be a chance for a blowout here and there between those two. So, And then the Celtics can get hot and the Warriors can't get hot. So I mean, let's just hope we have competitive basketball for seven games, six games, five, however many it lasts. Let's, let's hope that it's competitive because if you can have – 
a quick series at four games and they all come down to one possession, that probably going to top every game we've seen all playoffs. So hopefully we'll get, I know we'll get at least five to six games for sure because the Celtics are not going to lay down for the Warriors. In fact, during the season, they played each other twice. Of course, they they uh, split the two games, both on each other's own floor. So I don't think the home court or anything that, that has anything to do with this series because you see the Celtics can play on the road. You see that easily. And so can the Warriors. And the Warriors don't lose at home. So something's going to give in this series. So it's going to be a lot of interesting things. We're going to break that series down a couple of – I mean, a little bit more tomorrow because we got all the way till Thursday night for that series to jump off. Right now, I'm going to jump into the Cardinals real fast this this new season. And the question is going to be, do they have enough? Do they have enough to, to sustain him, to help them while he's out those six games? Because we know how this team has reacted when he isn't, hasn't been in the lineup and how Kingsbury hasn't adjusted with him being out of the lineup and Murray hasn't adjusted with him being out of the lineup and his comfortability level starts to wane a little bit and his confidence in the other receivers wanes a little bit. So uh, while I'm getting that up, I know everybody has heard the latest tragedy story about Jeff Gladney passing away on this morning. Surprising and like at the same time shocking and uh, wishing his family the best. Just say wishing you the best and hoping giving that God could give you strength through whatever it is you have to go through. And that's all you can really do for a person. You can't really do anything because I mean you're losing a loved one like that that's in the heart that's that's connected to the heart so can't do anything to help anybody or ease it at all but <clears throat> we can definitely just continue to hopefully hope that the, the family and everybody can get through it but it's not easy but it's life and it's tough life is tough period we have no idea we have no idea how things are going to go from a daily on a daily. The Cardinals open up the season. I think their preseason is is set as well. They get the Bengals, Baltimore, and Tennessee. And of course, we already know the Tennessee Titans. They're going to be practicing with. And by the time they go play the Tennessee Titans in that preseason game, it'll be the last preseason game and it really don't mean much. But those two teams would have been battling throughout the training camp anyway. So, But uh, the regular season opens up. Open up, of course, with the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's not an easy, easy uh, open. The only hope you got for that game is that you catch them in the beginning because usually the beginning, everybody's new. Every team is trying to figure out who they are. The Chiefs are coming in with some changes, of course, without being having Tyreek Hill. They have to adjust to where they have. Their offense has to adjust. So we're going to be some adjustments going on for both teams coming out in the gate. So there could be a chance that that game could be a, a steal, but I don't anticipate the Cardinals beating a team that's coached by Andy Reid, who's pretty much always prepared for everything. After the Chiefs game, we got to go to Las Vegas. And that's going to be a good game as well, because that's a team that's up and coming. A lot of these games, again, like I said, will be toss-ups because we have no idea who's who and what's what on these teams. So let's just say that's going to be a 0-2 start in that division, because that's a strong division. And he might as well make it an 0-3 start with those Rams because we just have trouble playing that team no matter where it is. It's at home, but we just don't match up to them as well. And then now we're down another corner, of course, and now so it's going to be difficult. Here's where they can start making some hayway to get back to 500 with the Carolina, Philly, and Seattle games. Those three teams should be winnable games, but they always struggle with get the Carolina team. 
some way, somehow, doesn't matter what Carolina's record is, this Cardinal team struggles with them. So we'll see how that goes. Those three games, we'll give them three to three. So they're one, three and three out of the gate. And Hopkins will be back on the New Orleans Saints game, which is another team that's going to be a new team with a new scheme, probably with a different coach. And quarterback is coming off an, uh, a serious injury. So that could be a team that could be vulnerable as well. So that could be a good game at home. So we'll give them the win there and go three and four. I mean, we'll go four and three, I should say. Four and three. Then you know, Minnesota, Seattle, again, that's two more wins. Six and three. Which is a good record around that time after nine games. And then they play the Rams again at LA and they'll lose to that one. So it's six and four after ten games. And still in the playoff hunt. Then you start to play these teams that you have no clue what they're gonna be. San Francisco, we have no clue. We know they're a good defense, they're hard to but the Cardinals, no matter what they are, play them pretty tough. So let's call that a seven and four record. Then they play the Chargers, another LA team that's pretty dang good. I don't see them winning that one. So you go seven and five. Then they got the bye week and bye 13, week 13. That's just really wore down by that time. And this team is about that time when they start to fade away. So. And around that time, it's probably Hard Knocks time, around the 27th, somewhere around there. That Charger game might be the first game for the Hard Knocks series. So it could be coming off a loss, going into the bye, and then going into a tough New England game. Denver, Tampa Bay, those three games are going to be mad tough for them. And coming in at 7-5, and five, that could be an easily 7-8, and eight, three losses. And then finish up with Atlanta and San Francisco. So some, they're going to be around 500 somewhere, 8 and 9, 9 and 8. That's just a prediction. Anything can change. Anything can happen. They can catch fire. They can get their offense together where it's consistent every week. We don't know. But Arizona is just used to knowing that with, no matter how this team starts out, how good they look, can they finish is going to be the whole key to everything that happens here in Arizona. We've seen that for the last two years, three years two times with the Cardinals, one with the Suns just now. So um, we'll see how that all that goes. But that's the Cardinal schedule. I got them at nine and eight or eight and nine, whichever one. And I'll back into that when I get into the actual preseason. We'll figure out when I see something on tape. But again, it's about that time, people. another show for you tonight casual sports show right here on ksrn casual sports radio network www.casualsports.com want to thank mitch hughes for coming in and talking d-backs with us and that's going to be our guy coming in all the time and we also going to have a special guest somewhere down the line baseball talker jody jackson is going to be coming in here in a while so we got some people from baseball to come and cover for the casual sports show. So y'all stick around as baseball lovers. We, we're on, we on the same side with you. We figure it out and casual fans like myself for baseball. will start to learn a little bit more about this baseball thing. Y'all stick around. I mean, y'all 
stay tuned for the next show. And uh, from Earl Burnett, a.k.a. Casualty, we'll check you out next time.